Hey everyone, welcome to the Promise Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Promise Church. And to see what else is going on around here at Promise, please visit us at mypromisechurch.com. We hope this message you're about to listen to ministers to you and changes your life. Enjoy. This morning, I want to say thank you to uh, all of our life group leaders. It really is um, such a great and tremendous um, ministry and culture in our church. Um, And so many things are that happen through life groups. And I, um, if if you uh, are new to Promise or maybe you have never really jumped in, um, groups can uh, be a vehicle for ministry. Uh, they certainly, groups certainly are discipleship. Um, and then of course, some of them really are just fellowship. And I think it kind of breaks down into those three categories. Um, and so I'd tell you, join three groups, join one that's discipleship, uh, grow you up in your faith, join one that's just fun fellowship. Um, that is a blessing to you as well. Uh, always go back to Acts 2.42. It says they were just breaking bread together, house to house, and talked about souls being saved. So uh, souls are saved just, just by breaking bread sometimes together. Um, and then um, some, some of ours really um, are vehicles of ministry. And so uh, we have one that is outreach focused, and uh, we have a couple that minister in service on the platform, on the stage. So um, I'm, I want to say I'm excited about this one. Uh, when we got some exercise ones, those are fellowship ones. I can see that I'm looking at the basketball one right now. Um, but yeah, so many good ones. I want to honor Tom and Erica as well. They've taken this uh, life group ministry up and up and up and up and up and up and up. Like, like 10x or 100x, somewhere in between that, uh, since they've taken over that ministry. We love them and appreciate them so much. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about heart for the house today. Uh, it's the third uh, one here. And if you've missed any of these, I'd love for you to go back on the podcast because um, kind of building, kind of going somewhere. It's kind of one of those that's building on top of each other. So the first week, I just wanted to talk to you about, you know, if Jesus loved the church so much that he died for it, that we ought to love the church as well. Um, and, you know, he, he paid the ultimate price. It said he purchased the church with his blood. And so I, I've been saying, I don't know what this property's worth, but Jesus died for us to be saved and to gather together. Um, he didn't die for stucco and steeples, but he did die for souls. And the church means the gathering of his people. So it's the ecclesia, the gathering. And uh, just wanted to stir up a love for, for God's house. And so... Uh, and for God's people. So if you missed the first one, jump back there. And last week I talked about um, how, you know, we want God's, if we love God's house, we want God's house to be full of resources. And so Malachi chapter three tells us the way that's accomplished is by God's people bringing their tithe. And it says, so my house will be full. And when his house is, is full, a full place of resources, 
there's just no telling what God's people could do and the change that the church could make in the world uh, if we would uh, just obey him in that. And so uh, if you missed that, run back, check that one out. But today I want to tell you uh, that Jesus is in the house. And uh, I've been using this verse. I love it. It's one of my favorite verses, Psalm 69, 9. I'm uh, just kind of using this as a foundation for the, for the series. But David says, the zeal for your house consumes me. And he says those, basically he says, those that insult it or you, I take it personal. It's like insulting me. If somebody insults God or his house, I, I take that personal is what David's saying because that zeal just consumes me. And if you don't know, uh, when Jesus was turning the tables over in the temple, uh, the disciples quoted that verse when they saw Jesus getting upset and chasing the money changers out. They said, well, hey, David said the zeal for the house consumes us. So that was kind of what they said as Jesus was doing that. But here's where I want to go today is Luke chapter 5, uh, verse number 17. It tells us this story that Jesus was teaching and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came uh, carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friends, friend, your sins are forgiven. Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow that speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sin. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them and took what he had been lying on, went home praising God. Last verse, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we, I love this, we have seen remarkable things today. I want to tell you, when Jesus is in the house, remarkable things happen. And how many have ever left church and said, wow, what a day that was. What a night that was. It's amazing things. I saw somebody baptized. I saw somebody healed. I saw somebody change. We were in the presence of the Lord. Turn to somebody and say, Jesus is in the house. And if you said that, you can be seated. Uh, good to be in the house. The Lord is in the house. Um, the context of Luke chapter 5, we read a significant portion there, I know. But there was a gathering of believers in, in a house. Jesus was in that house. The uh, Bible said that there was a special anointing for healing um, that day, for whatever reason, there, to the power of healing was on Jesus that day. And so he's ministering, he's healing, but then with this man, before the healing happens, uh, he, he calls out his sin and says, your sin is forgiven. And so there was, there was salvation that was happening, not just healing, but salvation. And I love that passage there at the end where it said, Remarkable things happened in the house where Jesus was. 
And this story, it, it should push us to gathering together, not just to Jesus. We should always be pushed to draw toward Jesus. But I don't just need Jesus, I need you too. And so when we gather together in the name of Jesus, there's a power in that. So many people say, I just need Jesus. And yes, I understand, you do need Jesus. But you also need everything Jesus said you need. And Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there with them in the middle of that. So when we gather together today, and we open up and we say, we're going to sing songs to the Lord. We're going to call on his name. We're going to pray. We're going to worship. We're going to lift up our praise. Jesus is in the house. I wonder if I could get some traction today. Somebody help me. Jesus, if you believe that, Jesus is in the house. He's in the house. And I, I, uh, I, I've been preaching it this month, but that's what makes this a special place. There's a foundation that was poured. There was a building that was erected. There was a steeple that was put up. There was a sign that was put up that said, these are followers of Jesus, and we gather in this place to worship him, to pray, to sing, to hear the word. It makes it a special place because when we gather here, Jesus is in the house. And so it should, this passage should make us see our need for each other that when we gather together, things happen. And these four men, they came from a long way away. It said they came from one of these villages. It said that there was people coming to this place that Jesus was ministering from all of the surrounding villages. It said all the villages in Judea and Jerusalem. So that would have been a lot of people coming from a lot of places. And they had a friend that was in a desperate way. He needed forgiving. He needed salvation. He needed healing. And he was unable to get up himself. I wonder if you've ever felt that way. I don't even have the strength to get up and go. But he was unable to do it. So these four friends said, you know what? Let's carry him ourselves. To this point, we don't know much about him. We don't know where he, what city he came from. We don't know uh, much about him. But we do know that he was paralyzed and we know that he had good friends. And I'll tell you that that was his greatest accomplishment that we know of, is that he had surrounded himself with people that would carry him to Jesus. I wanna, that's the first thing I want to say to all of us today, and I think we can do this today through life groups, is the first one is surround yourself with people that don't carry you to the mall, that don't just carry you to the restaurant. They carry you to Jesus. They carry you to the house that Jesus is in. And so I'll just say, God, give me friends that lead me to you. Not to everything else, not to anything else, but just lead me to Jesus because they, we all need people in our life that when we want to give up, when we want to lay down, they say, no, I'm not going to let you stay on that stretcher. I'm picking you up and I'm carrying you to Jesus. Uh, we all need friends that you say, well, I'm sick. Okay, take the aspirin, get the antibiotic. I'm still carrying you to Jesus. Lord, give me a friend that when I miss church, they are blowing my phone up. They are calling me. Am I the only one? They're texting me. 
They're direct messaging me. They're inboxing me, snail mailing me, emailing me, coming by my house, grabbing me by the ear, throwing me in the back seat. They're getting me an Uber and saying, you, I, you are coming to the house of God with me today. That's what this man had. He had friends that would get him to the Lord. And, and, and you, you, we've got to, we have the ability to put that circle of friends together. Uh, I, I've said this several times when we talk about life groups, but it's, it's true not only in the natural but the supernatural. They say that your five closest friends define you. They define you. If, if, you, if you are around five people that are, are focused in their career, they're working hard, they're laser focused, you're going you're gonna to be in the middle of that. If you if you have five if your five friends they're all into whatever they're all into this hobby you're going to be into that hobby it's just what it is they, your circle shapes you if you if you have five friends that they're going the wrong places hanging out with the wrong people you're not too long before you're going to be going to the wrong places hanging out with the wrong people because those people are shaping you they even they even show it with with uh, economics there. If if you hang out, I need to get some friends that are multimillionaires or something. Because if you hang out with people, uh, that's that shapes you. It just it just what it is. And so uh, if that's true in the natural, I'll tell you it's true in the supernatural. You get your five best friends. They're in the house of God on Sunday. You're going to be in the house of God on Sunday. That's where your five best friends are. If you have five friends that they, they aren't church folks, they don't serve God, that's not too long before that's how you're going to be. And the best thing that this guy had going for him is he had four friends. Circle of five. You're the fifth. He's the fifth. He had four friends that said no. We aren't going to let your faith fail. We're not going to let you stay at home. We're not going to let you lay around and give up. But we are taking you to the house that Jesus is in. And I want to surround myself. And I wonder if anybody say the same thing. I want to surround myself with people that serve God. I want to surround myself with people that know how to pray know how to get a hold of God, know how to call on heaven. They serve God. They know how to get into the presence of Jesus. Lord, give me some friends that when I fall down, they pick me up. They say, you're not going to stay where you are, but I'm getting you in front of Jesus. That's the kind of friends we all need. Luke 5 and 17, it it said, uh, I don't know if you caught it, but it said one day. It said there's one day. One day Jesus was teaching goes on to say that there was a power to heal uh, in the house that day. And I, 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 love, I love to just, I believe that God does things over a lifetime. I believe a lot of times God is, has us on a process and on a journey. But there are breakthrough moments that happen in one day. One moment in the house of God. I, 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 there's a thing called, uh, I, I, I think this is a diagnosable thing. People have anxiety about missing out, fear of missing out. It's called FOMO. And, and I, I think about that sometimes with church. It's like, you missed out. Like, they, what, what God did that moment, if you weren't there, you missed, like, the podcast ain't the same as being there when folks were baptized. It's not the same. And, and so what was happening in that house that day, that one day, it was a special moment. It was a breakthrough moment. And I want to just tell you, there is unlimited potential when Jesus is in the house, even for one day, even for one moment. 
Because what he can do in one moment is greater than I can do in my whole life. And so one moment, one gathering, one Sunday, one church service, one altar, I'll even say one first Wednesday. First Wednesday was awesome this week. It was great. And I'll even say one life group can change your life. How many times you heard a testimony say, I don't know what was going on in the house that night, but I just, I, I tried to walk out, but there was something that pulled me into the altar. I wasn't even thinking about being baptized, but there was just some kind of magnetism that just drew me into the baptism. And just, there, I don't know what was the power in that house. It said, there was power of healing in the house that day. And it just, it is what it is. And, and so it was one day when Jesus was teaching and everything changed. People were saved. People were healed. Don't underestimate what God can do when you just come, when you bring somebody in front of Jesus. There's unlimited potential in just one moment, one day, one word, one altar moment, one time just gathering together with his people, opening his word. His spirit is here today. I want to say there's power in just one moment in God's house. I, I do believe there's a process. I do believe God does a lot of things over our lifetime and, and as we grow in him. But never forget, he does breakthrough things in one moment. There can, there can be one life group that changes your whole life. There can be one moment in God's house that you'll be telling that testimony for the rest of your life. And I do believe every time you come into the house where Jesus is, you do not have to leave the same way you came in because one interaction with Jesus can change you forever. I wonder if I have anybody that believes it in the house today. Amen. I, I love this story, and, and I, uh, I, I think I mentioned it on Wednesday night because it was already working in my head. They get to the house, and it's jam-packed. They can't get through the door. And I think I originally was thinking of this because of these, these revivals that are breaking out in college campuses. And, and uh, it's, not, it's not just the one that it started in. It's, it's all over the country. And I've been seeing pictures and videos of people that the, the place is jam-packed. And so they're spilling out into the courtyard, into the cafeterias, and there's lines to get in. It's like you can be in there for an hour, but then you got to get out because somebody else is coming in. And, and they're having prayer in the courtyard and all these things. And I thought, that reminds me of Luke chapter 5, when they couldn't even get in the house. And I just imagine they're outside praying. They're just outside worshiping. And it's like as soon as somebody, it's like Christmas in the mall, the parking lot. Like you are laser focused. When he leaves, I'm taking his seat. And then somebody walks out and you walk in. And that's what they were doing. And these guys, it's, they can't get through the door. Maybe an usher told them, hey, come back in an hour. Or, hey, uh, you're just going to have to come back later. And maybe the paralyzed man is on the mat saying, Look, fellas, it's just it's not our day. We'll 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 try another time. But his friends say, no. No, 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 no. If the door, if the door is jammed, let's try a window. If the window is blocked, let's go down through the roof. And they go up to the roof. And imagine that zeal. David said, I got a zeal for the house that God's in. 
Imagine the zeal they had to get into the house that Jesus was in that somebody starts ripping the roof off. And I don't know what kind of roof this was, but it said there were tiles. So I'm just imagining those clay tiles that we have some on the nicer houses in Florida. They're just ripping those things off, throwing clay tiles off the roof, and they get enough, and they can just begin to lower him just so he can see Jesus. They must have realized, okay, yeah, it's all right to sing songs out here in the courtyard and in the streets, but there's something going on in the house that Jesus is in. And if we can just get in the house that Jesus is in, they they realize like singing out here ain't the same as being in the house. And I, I love listening to worship music driving in my car. But it ain't the same as singing the, how in the songs in the house with God's people. It's just not the same. I, I, I love, I appreciate the choir songs and all this stuff I listen to, those people, great ministries, all that stuff. But I'd rather be right here with our church and our worship team and just worshiping on the front row with my church family because there's a power in just being in the house. And, and so they're ripping the roof off. Why? Because Jesus was in the house. They didn't know what Jesus was going to do, but they knew that something was happening in that house. And if they could just get in front of Jesus, everything would change. I love God's people. I love God's house. I just chime in with David. Like he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. This man was sick but he had friends that said, let's just get you to Jesus. Let's just get you to the house of God. Let's just get you to the place that Jesus is ministering. And if we can just get you into the house and we just get you into that house where Jesus is, no matter what we've got to do, if we got to break a window, push through the door, rip open the roof, whatever we've got to do, I know there's healing and salvation for my friend if I can just get him in the house. So let's carry you to Jesus. My prayer is that this church would be a place that we would bring people to Jesus. And you could bring somebody on a stretcher. You could bring somebody that's young. You could bring somebody that's old. You could bring somebody that's flying high or they're low. You could bring this kind of guy or that kind of girl. It's okay. You'll fit in. You just got to get in front of Jesus. And my prayer is that life groups would be a place that you can carry friends to just come and be around God's people. And, and, and even, you, I think that my biggest prayer for days like this is that we would realize when other people need carried. You say, this person needs carried right now. They're down and out and they can't get themselves up to get into the presence of Jesus. And so if they can't get themselves up, I'm going to pick them up and carry them into the presence of Jesus. If I got to get them an Uber, if I got to go pick them up myself, I'm getting them in front of Jesus. I, uh, my, I, my barber shop, I think I tell you guys about my barber shop a lot. But I'm telling you, the guys in there, they all know I'm a pastor, so they drag me into conversations and um, so uh, a while back, there's, there was, they were having a conversation about church, and they said, well, you know, this guy's a pastor, 
And um, he asked me, what, what, what church is it? I told him, oh, Promise Church. Where is that? It's a long way. Da, 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 da. Okay, he goes, and, uh, I, he goes, yeah, I, I go to a church around there. And I was like, oh, okay, what church is it? I probably know where it is. I'm driving in Longwood all the time. And he was like, um, it's um, <laughs> uh, first, uh, the, he couldn't remember the name of his church. So I was like, you don't go to church that often, do you? He was like, no, it's, I haven't been since before COVID. And I was like, okay, all right. well, hey, come check us out. But you know what? When people are hurting, carry them to Jesus. When they're confused, carry them to Jesus. When they're lost, carry them to Jesus. And they're sick, carry them to Jesus. Uh, whatever it is, carry them to Jesus. Because this guy had a few things going on, but they knew if we just get him in front of Jesus, Jesus has a way of making everything whole, making everything better, touching every part of their life, fixing it all. If I can just, I don't know what you need, but I know where you need to go. And if you'll just get in the house where Jesus is, everything's going to be all right. I wonder if the house believes that today. Everything can change in just one moment in the presence of the Lord. And that's what these guys understood. Let me carry you. You ain't been in church since before coat? Let me carry you. Let me pick you up. Which one you want to go to? Nine or 11? You want to eat early breakfast? You want to do brunch? Lunch. It's really lunch by the time we get out of that second one. But there's something powerful about just carrying somebody to Jesus. There's times when all of our faith is low, and I want people in my life that can carry me, but I also want to be the type of person that recognizes when somebody's low and I can carry them. Notice the, the thing that Jesus saw is amazing to me. Jesus does not look at a man paralyzed on a stretcher and say, get up. He says, your sin is forgiven. It's in verse 20. That's the first thing he says. Let me see verse 20 there. When Jesus saw their faith, meaning immediately, like he sees them tearing the roof off this guy's house. He's like, that's some faith because they're going to have to fix that. They're going to get sued. They're going to be over here tomorrow baking some clay and fixing that roof up. But he said, that's some faith. That's some desire. That's some zeal. <laughs> Again, like David said, the zeal for your house consumed me. They had some zeal to tear that roof off. I'm trying to get in front of Jesus. I don't care. I'll fix your roof. I'll buy you another one. I'll be here tomorrow fixing it. And, and so Jesus sees that kind of faith, and he's like, wow. But he doesn't say... You're healed. Not immediately. The first thing he says, sees and says is your sin is forgiven. Jesus is not so much concerned with your physical condition as your spiritual condition. And he realized the first thing he saw was not a paralyzed man. He saw a sinful man. And he said, let's deal with the salvation issue. And he says, your sin is forgiven. But notice this, and I love this right here. He saw their faith, not the paralyzed man's faith. Because the paralyzed man was not the one ripping the roof off. And he was not the one that carried himself. They, he, Jesus saw his friend's faith. And because of the friend's faith that got, them, got him into the presence of Jesus, 
He now gets his salvation and his miracle. But I want to say, you, you know, there's something powerful about having people around you that will lift you up. Have you ever come into this house down, out, tired, just kind of going through the motions? Nobody's helping me. Somebody's helping me. I don't know who that was. You ever come into the house and there's a, a deficit of courage? There's a deficit of faith. Faith is low. But you come in this place and somebody on the worship team just says, hey, we've come into this house to worship God. And maybe, maybe, I'm seeing that too. You come in this house and I don't feel, I, 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 my, my worship isn't strong this morning. I, my faith isn't high this morning. But I see somebody on my row just coming with it to that energy saying, I'm here to praise God. I, we got dressed. We drove in the house. We're here. I've, I didn't come here to just go through the motions. I'm here to praise God. And all of a sudden, that becomes infectious. That rolls over into me. And all of a sudden, I had a deficit of courage. Now I'm encouraged because this person came and said, I've come to praise the Lord. And I'm seeing somebody else get blessed. And now, all of a sudden, I'm breaking out of it. I'm here to praise God now because it's spilled over into me. That's what's powerful about lifting somebody up into the presence of the Lord. And so so second thing I want to say is when you come into the house that Jesus is, your direction is up. You might have come in low, but you're leaving high. You might have come in one way, but you're going to leave another way. I don't know how many times I preached this, but the temple in the Old Testament, you heard me say it. There was a rule. If you came in the east gate, you left the west gate. If you came in the south door, you left the north door. It was just so they would get it in their, in their mind, in their heart. I am not leaving the house of God the same way that I came in. And I want to tell you, your direction is up every time you come to the house of God. You might have been on a level 10, but you can leave level 20. You might have come in on a, a 1 or a 0.1. You can leave on the 10. Because when you come into the house of God, your direction is up. And so here's, here's what he said. Jesus said it in verse 24. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up. Get up. Your direction, when you come into the presence of God, is up. But first, Jesus says your sin is forgiven. And why did... Think about why did Jesus say to a man being lowered through the roof in obvious need of a physical healing, your sin is forgiven. And I'll tell you, what Jesus is showing us here is no matter what, we don't know what it was that got him in that condition. No matter what it was that led you down that road. No matter what happened in your past and no matter how you got here. No matter why, I don't know why your faith is low. I don't know why you're down and discouraged. I don't know why you're at a level 2 out of 10. But let's wipe all that away. And you're forgiven. Whatever got you in this condition, son, I'm picking you up from here. Whatever path led you down the road to get you here, whatever happened in your life that got you to this place, it doesn't matter anymore. Your direction is up, son. You are forgiven. 
But before I'm going to do the healing, I want before there's a blessing, I want to deal with the salvation. Because the salvation will change and flow out to every other part of your life. So no matter what happened that got you here, if you'll just get here, your direction is up from here. And whatever happened to get you there, Jesus can pick you up right where you are. It'll, whosoever will, let him come. Because he, he's going to pick you up from there. I don't care what got you there. He's going to pick you up from there. And so Jesus looks at him and he says, I tell you, get up. Deep theology there. Get up. Time to get up. Time to get up. We say that to our kids. Time to get up. Jesus says to him, stand up. Strengthen your back. Get some strength again. Stand up on your own two feet. And I'll tell you, that is a word for all of us today. Get up. I don't know what got you down, but get up in the presence of God. Stand up in the presence of God. Get on your feet again in the presence of God. I don't know if you feel knocked down, bruised, beat up, or down and out today, but I'll just tell you, the only difference between a sinner and a righteous man is it said the righteous man fell seven times, but he got up an eighth time. That's the only difference. You just got to get up again, and the word of the Lord in the house is get up, stand up, get up one more time. I don't know what knocks you down, but just get up. Just get up. And, and all of us make mistakes. Life doesn't go as expected. Something knocked you off track. But in the presence of God, your direction is up again. In the house of God, your direction is up again. Life can knock you down, 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 down. But one moment in the presence of God can get you up again. And one of the reasons I love, I love our life groups, and I, I'll say it from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, says two are better than one. Two are better than one. They can help each other succeed. And if they fall, one will lift up his companion. He was down and out, but he had four friends. So we're not going to leave you like that. It says, when, and woe to him who's alone when he falls, because he doesn't have anybody else to pick him up. Get back up. Get your strength back in the presence of God. Third thing I want to say is, is take your mat with you. Take your mat with you. He says to this paralyzed man, I tell you, get up. And that next line is, take your mat. Jesus said, take your mat. Didn't say leave it. He said, keep it. Walk around town with it. This is surprising to me, Ruthie, uh, because I would think he would say, leave your mat. You don't need it anymore. Burn it. I don't want to see that mat anymore. We're going to have a mat burning service. I was going to see who would laugh at that because then I know you grew up in church. When I was a kid, we had services where you'd burn stuff. If you don't, if you don't grow up like that, just forget that I said that. Don't worry about it. <laughs> CDs or whatever, you tear them up, throw them in the fire. If you don't know about that, don't worry about it. But I would be having a mat burning service. I don't want to see that thing no more. I want to burn that bridge. I ain't going to need that anymore. But Jesus didn't say burn the mat. He didn't say throw it in the trash. He said take it with you. And I thought about that. Why? Because it's your testimony. I'm not perfect, but I got a testimony. I've got a, I, I, I've got a future, but I got a past too. 
and I'll tell you about it. God's still working on me, but I've got a mat to show you where he brought me from. He brought me from a mighty long way. You say, oh, God couldn't use me. Yes, he can. He can use that mat to tell a story about how far he brought you from. Oh, come on. Somebody ought to help me right there. You say, I don't have nothing to contribute to a life group. You got a testimony. You got a testimony. God can use you. He didn't say leave the mat. He said take it with you to tell the story about what I've done. You know, I think we all ought to carry a mat around. Just tell somebody, this is what God did in my life. Tell somebody about what God did in your family. Tell somebody about what God did in your business. Tell somebody about what God picked you up out of. And when you see somebody in the same thing, you can say, God picked me up out of that. Some of us, our tendency is to leave the mat and act like we were born saved. Never had a mat. Never had a problem. Never had an issue. Like, I, I just wear a suit every day. Just blessed and highly favored every day. Shake hands at church. How you doing? Blessed and highly favored. Praise the Lord. Never had a problem. Never had an issue. Some of us want to act like we were born praying in the Holy Ghost. Like John the Baptist. Just I got the Holy Ghost when I was just born, just like John the Baptist. But no, no, no. Jesus said, take your mat with you. Let somebody see that if God did it for me, he can do it for you. And I've got a mat. I've got a mat. I, I feel like somebody in the house ought to just join a, one of those life groups and just to tell people your testimony and say, I've been healed. Let me tell you about the sickness that I had. Here's the mat from it. I've been saved. Let me show you a picture of what God saved me out. Let me show you a, a BC picture, a before Christ picture. And if God can do it for me, he can do it for you. Jesus is saying, I don't want you to ever forget what I've done for you. So make sure you take the mat. And if there's a mean, old, rough, and tough guy that comes into Promise Church, you can go, go make friends with him and say, I used to be a rough and tough old guy, but let me show you what God did in my life. You see a couple dragging kids into church. And I tell you, in the second service, there's always a young family that says, we're oh, sorry, Pastor, we're running late, and they're, they're dragging two or three kids behind, and you know, one of them's snot-faced, and one of them's been sneezing, and one of them spilled orange juice on their clothes on the way in, and the parents seem frazzled, and I just have to love on them. I say, we've been there. I'm glad you're here. I don't care that you're 20 minutes late. Get on up in here. Praise God. God. Jesus is in the house. Come on in. I'm glad you're here today. Carry your mat. Take your mat. Bring your mat. Let somebody else know what God's done. Music come. I'm going to close. Uh, again, this one's surprising. There's, there's a few things Jesus says here that's surprising to me. You, you sort of think Jesus is going to say, you're forgiven, you're healed, Get your mat, or leave your mat, rather, and follow me. Join, join this group. Maybe just move Judas on out right now. Just, Judas, you're out. This guy's in. Just. That's not what he does. Verse 24, he says, get up, take your mat, and go home. Receive forgiveness. Receive your healing. 
And he's saying, take your testimony with you and don't leave it here. I want you to take it home with you. See, because what God is doing is not meant to just stay in the house. It's meant to go out from here. We receive it here, but we take it out from here. I received healing here, but I take it out from here. I received salvation here, but I take it out from here. You with me? I received joy here, but I take it out. I received love here, but I take it out. I received his spirit here, but I'm taking it out with me. I received so much in the house. His house is full of resources, but I take it out from here. And so Jesus says, I don't want you to stay here. I don't want you to join the 12. I want you to take this home. You're forgiven now. You're saved. You're changed. You're delivered. You're healed. You're walking. I want you to go home so people say, that's the guy that was paralyzed. That's the guy that was a mess. He was sinful. He was this. He was that. But one moment, you telling me just one moment in a house where Jesus was changed him that much? I got to meet this man, Jesus. I got to get in the presence of Jesus. Here's what I want to say is, you've been carried, now go find somebody that needs carried. Jesus was saying, you have family that need this, go take it to them. Jesus was saying, you got friends that need this, go take it to them. You got people in your hometown that you grew up with that need this, go take it to them. And I'll tell you, there's people in your circle, in your life, in your job, in your town, in your neighborhood, in your family, in in your circle of influence that needs carried. And I would tell you, take this to them. And I hope that church doesn't become a thing where I get filled up and then I run out of gas a couple weeks later. I say, I got to get to church this week so I can get fueled back up. I do think it's a place we get fueled back up, but maybe just don't let your tank get too. You guys drive on E. Anybody drive on E? The gas light is like always on. Some people live their life spiritually like that. It's just, it's on E. You remember, remember back in the day, you go put like $3 in your tank. You just put three singles on the, the desk in there and just fill, you just get the gas light off. And just, I guess you guys are looking at it from this way, like this. I don't think that's how we're supposed to live. I don't want to just get a look, get a fill up and then get to E. But I want to have so much that there's an overflow from my life of what God's doing. I can't even, I can't even hold it all. I can't even contain it all. I can't even God's pouring into me. I just gotta give it to somebody else. I've got more joy than I know what to do with. So I'm gonna be joyful with you. I got more love than I know what to do with. So I've got to love on you. I've got more grace than I know what to do with. So I'm graceful for you. I've been forgiven. I'm gonna forgive you. I've got so much. I couldn't tell it all. It's all right if you're standing, stand with me. I want to be so filled up that I'm carrying other people. That my kids and I, a week or so ago, they always cringe when I start a story out with that, especially when they're in the first service. My boys and I, we rode on the uh, safari ride at Disney. Um, week or so ago, and um, if you've never been on it, it's a fun ride. 
You're in like a Humvee kind of Jeep type of vehicle. And you drive through this plotted path. There's a course that they have. And there's a lot of animals that you drive by. And it seems like they're roaming free, but they're really not. There's usually natural barriers so that they can't, you know, walk right up to the Jeep or attack you. There's lions and things, but there's a ravine in between you. And there's hippos and stuff, but there's... Uh, they can't get out of the water and come up to you and it's it's uh it's pretty neat because you'll see crocodiles and you'll turn the corner you'll see hippos you'll turn the corner see lions and tigers it's it's really an incredible ride i remember on one occasion there was this big wildebeest animal and they have like four foot horns like really they're just massive maybe even like six foot horns as they curve up and these are free roaming, and they actually can come up right beside you. And um, we, we just saw them, and they were right up near us again. One time, I remember the, the Jeep stopped and because it was so close, and people were snapping pictures, and people were excited. Oh, my goodness, look at this wildebeest. That's so much. And I don't know if you've been on these kind of rides with kids, but one kid got frightened. It was very close to the animal, and it got, the child got frightened by the animal and started to scream and cry. And I don't know if you've been in an airplane with kids or a, a Humvee with kids, but that's contagious. And so second kid started screaming, and the third kid started screaming. And now all of a sudden, every kid on that entire Jeep is screaming and crying. And now all of a sudden, the driver is stopped with the fun facts about the animal, and he's trying to get out of there as fast as he can because he's got a whole Humvee of kids screaming and crying. I remember he's trying to calm the kids down and I was trying to calm our kids down and the point I was trying to make to my kids is that wildebeest is not going to attack us because doesn't just see you sees a big old Humvee truck Jeep and the Jeep that truck that Humvee thing that Hummer looking thing I don't know what it is is bigger than the wildebeest and so that wildebeest is not going to try to attack. Maybe if you got out of it and there's a little kid roaming around out in the safari by itself, that wildebeest might try something. But it's not trying anything against that truck. And I'll tell you, if you get jump out, you'd be in trouble. And I'll tell you, if you jump out and get isolated and alone from the people of God, that is where the enemy will put its target on because you're out there by yourself. Woe to the one that doesn't have anybody around them to protect them or pick them up. So my plea today is to stay in the house of God, stay in the Jeep, stay with God's people. There's safety in the house of God. Safety in the house of God. So here's what I want to say today is if you've been carried, be somebody that carries others. If you need carry, put yourself in proximity to other people that can carry you. So I've got a, a very practical and straightforward appeal today, and it's not to the altar, but it is to the life group tents outside. So most often, I'm always saying, hey, let's come to the altar, let's, let's, uh, let's pray, let's have a moment to worship and pray together. And I am going to pray. But my appeal today is to the tents outside and to find a fellowship, 
a place of fellowship, a place of discipleship, uh, a place of discipleship, or a place of ministry in one of these groups. Because I believe that your life can be changed, not just by Jesus, but by his people. And so I know people that say, I just need Jesus, and I get what they mean by that. They're saying, I don't need, I don't need the things of the world, I just need Jesus. I get that. But you also need everything Jesus said you need. And when the Lord created Adam, he said, it ain't good for you to be alone. And so I want you to join a group. I want you to jump in a group and commit to that group. Commit to that group. Even if it's raining, still go. Even if you feel like, ah, I don't need to be picked up today, still go. Because you could be the one picking up somebody else. And so that's what I want to appeal to you today. I want to pray over you, and I'm going to dismiss you. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this one moment in your house. We thank you for this one day in your house. Lord, I just believe and we declare right now that one moment, one day in your house with you or with your people, in a group, in a service, whatever it is, can be a life-changing moment. And Lord, we thank you for those and we give you praise for those moments. And Lord, I just pray right now over your people that we would that we would have a heart, not only for you, not only for your house, but also for your people. And just say, Lord, if you loved us enough to die for us, we'd love you enough to give our life. And we thank you and we praise you today in Jesus' name. How many said amen? Once again, thank you so much for listening. Share this message with a friend and don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time.